Hello and welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince and I'm author of Seven Skills for the Future. This podcast is all about bringing those skills into your everyday on a Monday morning. So bringing skills like adaptability, thinking critically, having empathy in every conversation that you have, living with integrity, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. And I really do believe that it is in small ways that we bring these skills into our everyday and they make a really big impact. And today I'm talking to Rachel Paling, who is a specialist in neuroscience and a neurolanguage coach. Rachel is director of an organization called Efficient Language Coaching. She works with companies worldwide to enhance communication and cross-cultural performance. And I'm really interested today to talk to Rachel about what truly makes up great communication skills and how do we actually bring that skill of empathy into our conversations and into the encounters that we have. We love to hear from you, our listeners, and you'll find out more about how to get in touch with us at the end of the show. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you, Emma Sue. Great to be here. Lovely to have you. And I have to say that last time I spoke to Rachel, I was actually recording an interview for her podcast and the sun was shining brightly. And after days of rain, the sun is shining brightly again today. So I don't know what it is about you, Rachel, but you seem to bring the sunshine. Oh, fantastic. And I have to say this morning it was raining here as well. I'm in France at the moment and now it's <laughs> brilliant sunshine. So yes, must be when we come together. Yeah. Yeah, must be. So I know you've just come back from traveling in Peru. Um, What what were you doing there? Actually, I was working. I um, was delivering my course, uh, training a wonderful group of language teachers and transforming them into neurolanguage coaches. And um, just phenomenal. We we had um, three days together, very intense days. I also delivered a taster for uh, language teachers to, to try to understand what it is. Uh, that I'm doing and I had the honor of delivering some free talks to to four universities and for me it's the great message of bringing neuroscience in the brain to teachers and and really getting them to reflect. Sounds great I mean I'm really curious about this this term neurolanguage can you explain a bit more about that? With pleasure, with pleasure. And, you know, your language coaching is, is really the combination of uh, coaching plus neuroscience in the language learning process. And, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. think, okay, well, how do we do that? And, and I think this is one of the key issues that we have nowadays. We have so much from the neuroscience. We have so much from this term neuroeducation. But actually doing it in practice is the part that, that a lot of teachers are missing. And neurolanguage coaching is about bringing mm-hmm. into practice what the neuroscience is telling us about how potentially learning can be more effective, more efficient, and even maybe even faster. 
And it's about connecting mm. in to understand how the brain functions, how the brain learns, how the brain reacts, and using coaching as a vehicle of delivery, style, also structure, but also the, the ability to coach people around emotional triggers and to coach people into um, a learning process that's going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds incredible. Uh, it, it sounds as if uh, through through using this methodology that people can actually learn languages faster. Is that right? We've got a lot of clients who are actually doing that. Yes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's all about the combination. You know, when we learn something, it really is that chemical, emotional uh, combination that, that really imprints the learning into the brain and how do we as educators achieve that how do we help learners get into what i call a perfect learning state and a state where we're helping them to remember and use it and i think the interplay of conscious and subconscious brain is fascinating and something that obviously we're we're still learning about as uh, scientists and neuroscientists and as human beings we're still Mm. delving into the mysteries of our brain Mm, mm, yes, I mean, I, I, it just reminds me of a time when I was trying to learn uh, Mandarin for for a trip to China. Um, and I found it very, very challenging. Um, if I had had this coaching, what would I have experienced? What what would I have expected to experience in terms of learning well, Mandarin? Definitely, firstly, the, the question would be, you know, what is the focus of the learning? What is it that you need? Um, and getting into that focused uh, state, we're, we're then going to really find out the key building blocks that we need to start you off with. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, one thing that really fascinates me as well, I have learned all of my language through, through connections, through brain connections. So I did French, Greek and Latin at school. And from there, that catapulted me into Spanish and I'm autodidactive with Spanish. I've taught myself when I was 15, mm-hmm. I taught myself. That then catapulted me into Italian and Catalan. And then from the Germanic side of English, I went into uh, German. And from 2016, we now have the the research from the neuroscience saying that when we learn a new language, the brain goes to the native structures first. Mm -hmm. So for me, the fascinating thing would be, what can we try to understand is similar with Mandarin and English? And in fact, there is quite a lot of the grammar is is actually quite simple in in Mandarin, from what I understand. So I think as well, the structure is similar. It's uh, subject, verb, object. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the verb changes are similar. I am, you are, he is, they change. Now, what Mm -hmm. is the really, really maybe difficult part for us as English speakers is the, the sounds, the sounds in Mandarin makes such a difference yeah yeah so helping you as a learner to really understand okay there are going to be some sort of easy parts that we can relate to but there's going to be harder parts that we're going to have to really work at it's going to be mentally preparing you into that language first yeah 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 i see oh i i i 
I particularly loved the alphabet and and the signs and all of that. Yes. Uh, although, of course, I didn't actually need to learn that. I, I needed to learn to speak a little bit of Mandarin, but I, I did get sidetracked a lot by that because I just loved it so much. Mm, and, you know, I would be fascinated as your coach. I would be fascinated <laughs> to see how we could really play on that visual uh, written side, oh. connecting it with that spoken side so you get excited with both. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, stimulating, yeah. because obviously you found a stimulator, you're sidetracked with it, you're distracted pleasantly, mm. you're curious with that side, so how could we then bring in the spoken to that? Curiosity? Yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah. fascinating. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in awe that you speak uh, so many languages. Oh, it's, it's, I don't it's, speak it's, Mandarin. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I guess it's, uh, I, I, I guess if the, the more languages you learn, the more you can learn, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and for me, yeah. you know, I worked with um, language teachers from all over the world. And at one point on my course, we go into this curiosity about language. So I am, I mm. love asking about other languages. So I know a lot about the grammar from Polish, Hungarian, Czech, Russian, Ukrainian, Chinese, Japanese. And I love to ask those questions of, okay, how is that in your language? How is it in mine? How does it fit? How does it different? And and it's for me, it's just when we get the brain into curiosity, we get the right brain state. Really interesting. Really interesting. Now, I want to um, ask you about one of the skills that I that I write about and 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 teach about, which is empathy. Mm. And your, I'd love to hear your take on empathy and how you use empathy in your coaching. Mm. Well, firstly, I want to say, you know, Emma Sue, you do some fantastic work. You do some great work with communication and really highlighting also this, this question of empathy is, is great because I do think there's a lot of misunderstanding of what is empathy. Uh, what is sympathy as well Mm -hmm. Um, and for me I'm fascinated with the neuroscience how the brain reacts and in fact there is a a fantastic neuroscientist in Germany called Tanya Singer and she studies exactly the neuroscience of empathy and the neuroscience of compassion and she really highlights that there is a difference in the brain When we are empathetic, we are lighting up the reward and pain circuits of the brain. And Mm -hmm. I feel what you feel. If you feel good, I feel good. If you feel bad, I feel bad. And we're really getting that correspondence. And even the mirror neurons are strengthening that that feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, with the neuroscience of compassion, we actually light up the love areas of the brain. We have a very old part of the brain, which is part of the reptilian, which is the periaqueductal gray. And this connects us in with the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is really that nerve running all the way through, connecting all the major organs, heart, up to the throat, and then coming into connecting the brain. And when we go into compassion, there are two steps. The first step is I feel what you feel. But the second Mm -hmm. step is, what can we do to help you here? Mm, And it's mm, that action step that for me is the important thing. And I do think as a coach, and I I train all my neurolanguage coaches to come into this aspect of going beyond empathy. Yeah, uh yeah, yeah. 
it's really interesting what you're saying because I actually had on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago the CEO of Mindfulness at Work, uh, Louise Chester, and she actually uh, said the same thing mm. as you. She was talking about empathy and she was talking about how we need to go beyond empathy and tap into that compassion yes. uh, because compassion is, is where we take action so it's really interesting to hear you say the same thing (laughs) absolutely absolutely and i think you know another mistake we live in a world where everybody is interested to demonstrate empathy by by saying oh i've been that through that too Mm -hmm. now as a coach i often think that my coachee doesn't want to hear whether i've been through that experience Sometimes my coachee just needs me to focus on them and what yes. they are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for example, I had a personal example of this last November. I lost my purse. And I spoke to three people. Now, two out of three said to me, oh, my God, that happened to me. And they then launched into mm-hmm. their experience. And I was actually left quite bemused because I was um, feeling my reaction, which was, I don't care what happened to you. I've lost my purse and I've got this problem now, you know, and that was my immediate gut reaction. <laughs> yeah. And the, the third person hit yes. it on yes. the mail. They said, Rachel, I'm so sorry to hear that. What do you need? Do you need any help? And that for me was like, oh, thank God. But I think the first two examples for me are uh, are more like sympathy, right? Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, sympathy as a, as an ident- identifying with what you're experiencing because I've experienced it too. Whereas yes. with the empathy, it's about yeah, I've been there, um, and I want to I want to be there with you uh, in your experience. Yes. So that that. But but then I guess then you have that added bit, which is okay. What are we going to do about this, or how can I help? Sometimes we, we may share that experience with the other person, and actually, it may really affect us. You know, I, I remember doing a life coaching session with um, a lady whose neighbour was blocking her in. And she really was frustrated and angry because this neighbor was blocking her in. She couldn't get out of her garage and it was happening more and more. And ironically, at that point in my life, I had exactly the same problem. So as she was talking, my stomach was burning with mm-hmm. my own problem. But, you know, as a coach, we, we cannot come into that. And for me, it was about calming myself down to focus yes. on my coaching. And to focus mm. on, okay, well, what what can you do in this situation? And mm. that person mm. never knew that I had the same problem as she did. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do you think are some of the ways that we can bring empathy and bring some of this into not, co- not necessarily coaching conversations, but just to our general uh, interactions with other people? Mm. It's interesting. I don't think we do it enough. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. And, and, you know, I often say that we live in a world where everybody is telling everybody what to do. <laughs> you should do this. You should do that. I think this. I think that. This has been my experience. Mm. And, mm. We're very egotistical, though, aren't we? We are. We do have these egos. We are. <laughs> and, you know, in some ways, 
uh, our brains. We, we interpret the world according to our own brain. So obviously, you know, I always think, well, whatever I've experienced is something that I've experienced, not something that somebody else has experienced. Mm. So my interpretation mm -hmm. is totally different to anybody else. And yeah. I always think, you know, whenever I'm speaking to somebody, I always try to take a step back and think, well, who am I to tell this person what to do? Who am I mm. to know what this person is experiencing? I need to find out from them. Mm. Mm. And for me, it's about really coming into that person saying, share with me if you want to. Just, just tell me how you feel, what's happened, how can I help? And I try to yeah. remove me and, and whatever is happening with me from that process. Mm. 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 It's hard, though, sometimes, isn't it, I think? It is, it is. I mean, it really depends on, obviously, it depends on who we're speaking to. Yeah. Um, it depends on that degree of relationship. And I always think it's, it, it's really that question of how helpful is it what I want to input here. Mm, mm. How helpful is it in the dynamic between us, in the relationship between us, in my need to communicate? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I wonder sometimes, you know, I, I, I guess because of my coaching background, I guess that now, even in my personal relationships, I, I sort of come into um, asking people if I can share. You know, asking that permission, mm -hmm. may I share with you what I've experienced and this is what's happened to me. If you're interested, fine. Mm -hmm. And if not, then yeah, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, it can be, as you said, you know, it can be hard for us to actually uh, express real empathy because we just have so much of our own perspective there kind of clouding, clouding our vision if you like you know uh and and we also have this ego so i think empathy does require effort yes. and uh but but has huge rewards if we actually apply it if we consciously apply it like you say in your you know everyday conversations yes. like what what value am i going to add here with what i'm going to be saying because right. i think quite often we just want to make a point for some reason i'm <laughs> assuming i say that we, we we um we live in a noisy world yeah, we're yeah. used to noise. We're used to chatter, chatter, chatter. You know, when I was flying back from Peru, I had a five-hour stop in Madrid, and it was um, five o'clock in the morning, very early in the morning. And honestly, people were on the telephone, having the most, may I say, futile conversations. And I was thinking, oh, goodness, <laughs> it's six o'clock in the morning, and they're talking. This lady next to me was talking about cutting spaghetti and giving instructions on how to cut spaghetti, and it was like. <laughs> and and I really was thinking at that point, you know, how can we regain depths in our communication? Yeah, yeah. And how can yeah. we move away from the non-necessary chatter mm. that we mm. seem to be persistently in? Yeah, I, I think some of that is around being able to set boundaries, uh, both in both in terms of how we how we interact with our you know with our technology but also um how we're interacting with other people yes. and you know that situation where you know we're, we're so often exposed to other people's noise yes. other people's conversations yes. and choosing to set boundaries whether that's by you know popping in your headphones to 
listen to a great podcast um, or, uh, you know, practicing mindfulness perhaps or or just finding a way to kind of not let that noise come in. Because I want to ask you this from your experience, what, what impact do you think all that noise has on our on our brains and our ability to interact well definitely we have noisy brains um and it's about us trying to understand how to take back the control and how to be in control of when to have that let's say active hyperactive intelligent analytical rational talking brain and when to then say no now i'm disconnecting I'm going to go and be quiet. And being able to do that, and and that nowadays is an art. Mm. And it takes Mm. and requires discipline. Definitely. And and here we're talking about maybe mindfulness, maybe just sitting quietly, maybe going for a walk, maybe doing meditation, whatever it is. Each one, I do think that everybody's different. Everybody has to find their way Mm. of being able to calm Mm. the brain. Yes. And control yeah. it. Otherwise, there's never there's never any space for anything else. Well, I, I do think that you know we go into this incessant um, chatter or, or busyness in our brain that that just at some point we just can't handle it anymore. And that surely has an impact on our, on our ability to have empathy Absolutely. and to listen and communicate Absolutely. well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to ask you a question, which is uh, potentially slightly controversial, but I think because we were talking about this before we uh, started the recording of this interview, I think it would be interesting for some of our listeners. And I know that um, I'm aware that neuro language coaching is something that's relatively new, and I'm aware that you are a pioneer in this field and you know when we're pioneering something we often come across uh, people who um don't like what we're doing or, or or you know find fault with what we're doing um and so i wanted to ask you if you're happy to share uh you know what why you've experienced some of this in your work and where is that coming from mm. um, and, and why do people feel so strongly uh, about this um Honestly, Emma, so I think um, you're also in that position of, of pioneering and, and doing something different. <laughs> so I think, you know, we, we probably share maybe um, a lot of this experience. And I think you're right. I think firstly, people are puzzled by what we're doing. And then mm. secondly, I think people then say, oh, I'm doing that too. Um, mm-hmm. But in fact, they say that without actually understanding what it is that we're doing. Um, and, and that's that for me is quite interesting when people don't even go into the depth and detail of what we're doing to find out mm. is it the same or is it different mm-hmm. and, and I, I think you know there is that sort of general disbelief of something new yeah um, until yeah. it kind of is there and people are saying oh gosh what is this and, and then it kind of there is resistance there is rejection there is that um, no, uh, whatever there is, I, I don't know to, to the extent what's happening mm-hmm. in people's brains. I can only imagine. And, yeah. you know, I, I try and, I'm trying to sort of, um, well, I mean, I'm grateful for these people who are actually 
bringing to the public uh, new language coaching because as they raise their voices and say hey what is this and this isn't different and everything else they're actually helping to, to raise the profile and, and that's great I'm grateful yeah. to them because uh, people are turning heads and saying oh what is this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know for me that the passion in everything that I'm doing it really is about as I said before that bridge between the science and the practice and it's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that question of we have technology that is going in leaps and bounds and and, you know in five ten years technology is leaping into uh, uh, well artificial intelligence we're we're just on a route which is a highway to very extreme intelligence now on the other side we can see an educational sort of uh, history that over the last 200 years is going at, at snail pace changing there are some amazing people out there at the moment bringing changes into education and i want to recognize each and every one of them because Mm. what what we're trying to do and i include myself i include you in this as well because it's about communication what we're trying to do is say come on we we need to bring in some other changes we need to bring in fundamental changes Mm. how teachers how teachers teach how teachers speak to Mm -hmm. learners our learners have changed they are different we we live in you know i was speaking to somebody the other day children are much more sensitive they're much more caring about plants animals world uh the ecology They're, they're much more we need to understand them more and the way that we communicate with each other Mm. has to adapt to now and the way that we bring in mm-hmm. learning has to adapt to the way we bring in, uh, you know, anything. We have to change mm-hmm. the patterns of communication. We have to change the structure of learning. And I do think above all, we have to change this idea that everybody should fit into one box. Education yeah. systems yeah. are very much focused on a system where everybody has to be squeezed and pushed in. And more yes. and more people nowadays yes. do not fit in this system, and more and more children are being marginalised, labelled, mm. and and those children are then scarred for life. And I think mm. you and I have sat together with mature learners who who bring back those memories from school. I can't. Learn. Yes, they do. I'm never going to learn English. Mm. I'm never going to learn French because my teacher said, and they're 50 years old. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we need to yeah. really understand how we can break mm-hmm. and move education and how we deliver education. And for me, how we how we bring mm. language and communication in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're disrupting the language training industry and I'm disrupting the uh, personal development soft skills Absolutely. industry. So. Absolutely. <laughs> which is not a... Which is, which is a great thing. It's a great thing. So, Rachel, um, if our listeners want to find out more about you and, and what you do, can you give us some uh, pointers as to where they can Absolutely. find you? So, uh, the website, the, the, the mother website of them all is www.neurolanguagecoaching.com. And also mm-hmm. my book is on Amazon, Neurolanguage Coaching. And if I can, if I just have a few seconds, I have another book coming out this summer. Um, and it's going to be a very, very different book. It's actually about brain-friendly grammar. 
and how to oh, deliver brain okay. candy grammar for, for language teachers. Um, and yeah. it, as I say, it's going to be a very different grammar book. Uh, so we'll see how, how uh, people like it or, or don't. We will see. Fantastic. And of course, we will have all of those in our show notes for you to, uh, to, for you to find. Um, so, Rachel, what's next? What are you? What, what have you got in the pipeline coming up? Well, um, I have to say, London is next, and hopefully, I'll be uh, having a, a meeting with you. That would be great to meet in person. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, Athens. Uh, going to meet my publisher for the first time, Express Publishing. Very grateful to them. They are absolutely wonderful. They support this concept so much. And um, yes, uh-huh. uh, great to meet them. And in August, I will be traveling again to the Americas. And for the first time visiting Chile. Wow, yes. fantastic. Excited. Conquering the world. Little Conquering by little, the world. Little by <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Rachel, so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure thank to you. have thank you. Thank you so much as well. I'm always grateful. And, and honestly, you know, as I said, it's phenomenal the way that you are bringing in a different aspect to soft skills and communication. Well done. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seven Skills for the Future podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to make sure that every new episode ends up on your phone, all you need to do is hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a five-star review so more people can find out about the show? If you'd like to stay in touch or send in one of your questions for Emma Sue, then go to Unimenta on Twitter, 7Skills for the Future on Instagram, or at unimenta.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, there's the book, 7Skills for the Future, available at booksellers everywhere. Season 4 is just around the corner, so keep subscribed and we'll see you soon.